Welcome to the Men Made For More podcast, a show designed by men for men looking to get strong, feel confident, and live a high-performing life. As men, we face many challenges as we try and strive for a better life. You want to live a meaningful and confident life, but you don't know where to start. You've lost your physical and mental edge that's keeping you from living out your full potential. You're tired of talking about doing big things, and you're ready to start living it. With the Men Made For More podcast, our goal is to teach you how to strengthen your body, your mind, and your purpose on your way to reaching your full potential. It's time to start living as the man you know you can be to help lift those up that matter the most in your life. Every week, we'll have a featured guest who will share valuable information and experience to give you actionable strategies you can apply to live as the man you were made to be. We'll draw on our guest's knowledge and experience. More importantly, we'll discuss how this applies to the common challenges and struggles of being a man in today's world. Our goal is to not only build strong men physically, but to help coach and develop strong friends, sons, brothers, fathers, business owners, and professionals in every area of your life. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Pachkowski, proud husband, business owner, physical therapist, and strength coach with a passion for helping other men strengthen their body, their mind, and their purpose. Wherever you're at on your journey, I'm excited to have you here with us today. Now let's dive in to today's episode of the Men Made For More podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to today's guest show with As Aponte of Iron Core Way, uh, my first repeat guest on here, my first second time guest, and uh, no better individual to have on here for uh, for that uh, second second return episode. Uh, so for those of you that checked out the first episode of his, uh, you can... Uh, look for that. It's no pain, no gain needs to go. And that was one we did uh, a couple months back. A great episode to check out as well. Uh, just for a real quick bio on, he is the owner of Iron Core Way in Oceanside, California. He is a, a strong first a strong first instructor and uh, someone who's completed some pretty amazing strong first feats. Uh, he's a Z Health practitioner, and that's something we're going to lean heavily on today and have him explain more of what that is. Z Health is heavily involved with the nervous system. And that's our topic for today is talking all about the amazing impact the nervous system has. And I did an episode on this not too long ago, talking about the general overview of why the nervous system is so important. Uh, we're going much deeper on it today. And this is something that most people don't know about. Most people don't realize the importance of training your nervous system and how doing that can actually skyrocket your performance. And so many people drive with the brakes on, as I explain to people, and uh, they're just greatly limiting their performance, their mobility, their strength, because their body doesn't feel protected. And we're going to talk all about today, why that's important and what to do about it. Us has some very uh, cool drills that he's learned. Uh, they seem simple. They might even seem uh, silly at first, if you're not familiar with them, but these are you know incredible tools you can use to both assess your nervous system and the different components of it, as well as give you guys some uh, treatment, some ways to improve it, to see some carryover and how you're feeling, how you're looking, how you're performing. Uh, so listen up today. Uh, there's a lot of great info coming your way. Uh, try, try and stay with us through the, the background of it is, is needed to give you guys some context of it, but there are some very practical things that you will take from this as well that you can take and run with in your own uh, moving practice, your own training, your own exercise, and your own health. So uh, make sure to listen up, take notes, try these things. I really encourage you guys to try the things that we talk about. And uh, this is a fun one. So excited to have you guys listen in and let's get started. Uh, so welcome to the Men Made For More podcast. My first, I, I want to mention too, my, my first repeat guest, my first second time guest here. So stoked to have you on here again. 
I am honored, my friend. I am honored. <laughs> no, so great to have you on here. And I, I know you reached out originally when I had a, a podcast several weeks ago on the importance of the nervous system, and you just have a, a ton of background on this. So I'm excited to excited to dive into it. Uh, for those that aren't going to go back and listen to your episode, though, before we get into the meat of the topic, can you give just maybe a you know a couple minute brief overview of of who you are and what you're up to? For sure. Um, so Asaponte, uh, I uh, mostly known for being a little kettlebell guy on Instagram. Um, and here in the San Diego community, uh, I've been part of that community since 2008, officially as an instructor, 2005 as a practitioner, um, go deep into the roots of the Iron Core clan, you know, with Sarah Lurie and Brett Jones and met Pavel early on as well. Uh, we actually were at the same SFG certification, which uh, it, it, it so happens to be that you're wearing, you're, you're rocking the shirt today. I love it. Yes. I knew it. Um, I recently, actually just not even a month ago, became an, a strong first elite instructor. So I did all the four certs in one day, which was awesome. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's putting your money where your mouth is, right? So we go around giving all this advice. Like, yeah, you should train this way. You should do this. To me, attaining that, that certification was really proof that, you know, even at my age, and with the responsibilities that I uh, bear on my shoulders, I'm still able to train in a smart and safe way and go in there and, you know, do all the tasks. You know, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of it, but, you know, it's pretty involved. You know, um, you, you definitely have to train for it. Uh, unless you're some kind of elite athlete, you're not going to show up and just do it. Um, and so it was pretty cool. Um, and I'm also a Z Health practitioner, uh, also of, you know, a decade and some change. And that was around the same time that I became aware of this, of the strong first system. And all of these things kind of like revolve around the same circles. There's a lot of the same people, you know, like, Hey, have you checked this out yet? And, uh, you know, that's how I uh, came to, to start working with the, the neurological system in a way to increase performance, which, you know, kind of leads into what we're here today. Um, so in addition to that, I have a, a small little modest studio in Oceanside, California. So if you're in that area, please come check us out. Uh, we got a, a very nice facility. It's clean. It's orderly. Um, it's uh, sanitized. There's plenty of space for you to operate, you know, no COVID business in there. Um, plenty of ventilation with three big doors in the front. And um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm here just trying to help everyone else enjoy the same benefits that I've enjoyed from these wonderful systems that I've been involved with. Yeah. So excited for, for more of your knowledge here. And for those that missed the first one, I, I don't want to quote it. I'll put in the show links, but, uh, episode 33, I think, and it was no pain, no gain needs to go. And that was just, we, uh, we went deep into, uh, some of the, you know, myths around training yourself into the ground and how to train smarter and not just beating yourself up. So if you guys get a chance to check that one out, if you guys enjoy today's show, definitely go back and I'll listen to that one with us as well. It was a, it was a lot of fun and a lot of, a lot of great conversation, but today Absolutely. we're talking, yeah. And today I'm excited because we're talking about, uh, like us was mentioning is his, uh, his history with Z health and getting into treatment of the neurological system is, and with the podcast I did a while back is the nervous system controls just about everything. And, and people don't know what the nervous system is. People don't know when they're training, people think about training muscles. People want to train their biceps. People want to train their abs, but they don't realize the nervous system is kind of the, the glue that connects everything and controls everything and has a, a much bigger role than we ever, you know, most people ever give credit to on a day-to-day -day basis. So I want to kind of have you give you the, uh, the runway on this. And for those with zero knowledge on about the nervous system, most people don't even know what it is. How would you describe it and the incredible role it plays in, in maybe just a few minutes? Cause I know you can, you can go on and on on this, but maybe like a, a brief description of, of how you would explain it to someone listening. 
Absolutely. The way that you put it, I think it's a very elegant way to put it, especially for, you know, like most people out there, because not everyone's a neuron ninja, as we like to call them, or a movement nerd. Um, but um, I'm, I'm going to try to cover a little bit of both. But you, your answer, it, it's absolutely right. On the money, it's important because it is the governing system. It governs everything. In fact, everything that we experience is because of the nervous system you know, through as many parts. And we're going to get into this, you know, the peripheral nervous system, getting all that input and being, you know, conducted of the spinal cord and then processed eventually in different parts of your brain. That is your existence. That is your experience, you know, your, your consciousness in a lot of ways, you know? Um, so I don't know we're going to get into uh, consciousness, but <laughs> guess me right now. <laughs> Here we go. Tangent number one. Yeah. <laughs> we should have a bell that rings every time we go on a tangent. Yeah, people get sick of it. We'll go on too many of them. So <laughs> I'll hone it in. Um, but but yeah, like I was saying, it, it's because it is the governing system. So that's why it's so important for us as movement practitioners or therapists or anything that we're trying to help people get out of pain, improve performance, fix body composition, um, even work with motivation, you know? All of these things can be addressed addressed through the movements, uh, not the movements, I'm sorry, the nervous system. And the movement system is incredibly intimately uh, related to that. And, and that's where, you know, that's where I, I think um, I have the most knowledge of, right? Because I'm not a therapist. I'm not here to prognosticate or, you know, give people, you know, hey, you, you have this injury. Like, that's not my job. That's your job. <laughs> so um, I, I need to be very careful with that. But if somebody comes to me and they say, I can do X movement, then yeah, I can work with that and I can use, I can harness the power of the nervous system to do that. Okay. So that, that's the big picture and the, the answer for everyone, right? Uh, the different levels. Now, if we get really, really technical about this, your nervous system has come close to two, two very large other areas. The, the central nervous system are also known as the CNS and then your peripheral nervous system, we kind of alluded to the PNS. The CNS, the, the, the brain and the spinal cord, okay? And then the peripheral nervous system, which I'm very interested in because of my job, you know, it has motor neurons and then sensory neurons. And this is interesting because motor neurons go from the CNS to the muscles. So they go in that direction. They're going out. The sensory neurons are coming in. They're coming from our sensory organs into the CNS. Furthermore, and I hope we haven't lost anyone yet, motor neurons break down into somatic and automatic. So, oh, I mean, I'm sorry, autonomic. So autonomic controls involuntary responses where the somatic controls uh, voluntary movements, right? So we're very, very concerned with that. And then the autonomic also goes into the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems, which are important, but not so much to me as a movement practitioner, other than to identify threat in my clients when they're doing something that is beyond their ability. And this is intimately related to having a neural lens in order to train people. And it kind of goes back, if you go back to that first uh, podcast that we did and, you know, my insistence in having good form and just following the right progression is very important to keeping that threat level in the nervous system low so that we don't kick in sympathetics and we keep things like neutral and in a way that the brain can process, can receive the information process it, and then have the desired output that hopefully is good, beautiful, pain-free, efficient movement. Yeah, that's, that's great. And that's, uh, that's, we, we might've lost someone on there, but don't, don't worry. We'll, we'll bring, we'll bring it back because, uh, that's, you know, basically, you know, to, to put it very, you know, very broad is, is our, 
our, our brain, our nerves, our spinal cord, our, our overall nervous system is constantly sending signals, input, output signals, receiving signals from your environment, from different things. Uh, and it wants to feel safe and safe equals good movement, safe equals good form. Because a lot of people, they think they have things like mobility issues when really they have what, what I like to explain to people is they, they're, they're driving with the brake on and they, their body doesn't feel safe. So they, they have this, this brake on that's keeping them from unlocking performance and unlocking mobility. So maybe ask if you want to take the example of a squat, for example, and, and maybe tie in some of these, these components from the nervous system and see how that, that might, uh, be more practical for someone if they're doing something like a squat and they're missing depth, uh, something that's more related to a, a problem with their nervous system, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to, I want to point on something out because you mentioned the amount of signals, right? So it's somewhere between 11 million and 20 million signals per second. Just a few. <laughs> that's crazy, right? Like that number is mind boggling. Oh my God. Okay. So going back to your example of the squat and how, um, if you have a high threat level, you, you could be missing death because your nervous system perceives what you're doing as a threat, okay? And the reason for that is because the brain's first job, the absolute first job the brain has said, this is widely recognized amongst the neural communities, is that it wants you to survive. It doesn't care how like heavy or how far you run or how heavy you lift or anything. It only cares that will you survive the attempt Right. And that's why it does so many things automatic automatically for you. Right. Like it keeps your blood pressure in check. Um, your respiration for the most part is done uh, autonomously. Right. When, when we are asleep, we're not really thinking about breathing. We're just breathing uh, to a great degree. You know, our gait becomes autonomous over time. Right. Um, you don't go, OK, I'm going to flex my right hip at the same time that I flex my left elbow. And, uh, uh, you know, like you're, you don't that, that would be so complex. Right. So instead we turn it into an autonomous activity. So the, so again, the brain is very concerned with survival. And if it, if anything along that chain, right, we used to have the biomechanical model, like, oh, well, you know, you lack dorsiflexion and you know, your, your lumbar, I mean, your, your thoracic extension is poor. So you're not getting into the right position when you go into the hinge, all these different things. And that's all valid. That's all valid. But it's, I think a step below the way that we can look at it through the neural lens, which means, um, what part of this activity is causing your brain to think that it's dangerous and then going there. So that can, you know, we, in the beginning, we talked that the nervous system has all these different branches out that all feed into the central nervous system, eventually our brain and um, there's sensory stuff, right? So you have a bunch of different receptors. You have your uh, mechanoreceptors, you have baroreceptors, you have chemoreceptors um, and other things like that. At a fundamental level, if any one of those receptors is not either receiving information properly, not sending it, right? So the track going all the way up through the periphery and then in the uh, spinal cord and then up to the brain, if anything of that in there is not working properly, it's going to have a fuzzy signal. And this is important because when we get into why the eyes and the ears and this whole proprioception thing come together, the idea of fuzzy of something that, that's not quite clear, it's going to be very important. So remember that everyone. So, you know, if you have, um, for example, let's see, uh, a lack of sensation on your ankle, right? And so I go down there and you tell me that when you squat, your left hip, you know, kind of hurts. And I'm going to start trying to test if your sensory information is working. So I'm like, I'm going to brush with my fingers or something else on your foot and say, can you feel that? 
Yes. Okay. And then I touch your other foot and I said, can you feel that? And you're like, yes. Does it feel the same? If the answer is no, then you have a lack of sensory information from that other side. That alone can be the reason why that side of your body, the motor output is not good because it's all about the signals coming in, how it's being processed and the output. Somewhere along that, right? There's a problem. We need to identify where that problem is and we work from there. So if the sensors are working, let's just pretend like they, they both are you know, good sensation and they're the same, great. All right, now can you feel cold on both feet? Can you feel hot on both feet? Can you feel something sharp like a tip of a pen? Can you feel something dull? All of these things are going to activate different receptors. And if any of those are not working, we can safely assume that that's why the motor output is inhibited. So that's a really easy, fundamental, non-intrusive way to start working through the neural lens and, and help people become more efficient by just overall making their maps. And again, the, the fustiness and their maps, because you have your movement maps, your balance maps, and your vision maps in order to produce that beautiful, very nice, powerful movement. Okay, it's gotta be about the inputs being right, the processing, which we haven't touched on, and then the outputs, okay? But for me at a fundamental level, the inputs have to be right. So all of those different receptors have to be working, okay? In addition to that, if you just look at the proprioception, okay, the body's 3D awareness of itself, position, time, and space. If I ask someone who comes in and their squat is faulty and I ask them to do an ankle circle and it's all like jumping around and it's not a smooth kind of motion, or they have to look at their foot to make it happen. And I'm like, go ahead and look straight ahead. Go ahead and do it. And, and it looks different. The quality of that movement has changed. They lack awareness of that body part. Now, if we can't articulate even that small of a movement, what do we think is going to happen when we try to put that together with multiple other flexions in the knee and, and the, the hip and keeping the uh, thoracic cavity nice and stable? And right, and then combining that with the breathing, which is also something that's going to come intimately related to this whole neural thing. This idea that your breathing has to be coordinated and supporting of your movement. It gives the movement texture, which is something that I touched on again on, on the other podcast when I was saying, like, you know, we we want to make the movement breathe. And this comes a lot from the martial arts and the dance, right? And dance so many times, teacher is like. You got you to gotta breathe into it. It looks a little stiff, you know, and you give texture to the movement. And on the other side of that, if you're going to do a max attempt deadlift, or let's go back to the squat. If, you're, if that squat that you're trying to do is a max attempt, right? It's a PR um, and, and you're not breathing properly, dialing all the way up to crank it all the way up to 11 and stiffening that core, then that's, that's not going to be a successful attempt. And having the clarity to know what is that 11 and what is the one in between, all everything in between has everything to do with neural fluency, which I'm kind of stealing that term from movement fluency. <laughs> and your buddy that was on the show not long ago. <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, that's a uh, that's really good. And that's like when when I hear that, and even with with my knowledge, I'm I'm trying to you know picture for someone listening that's like has doesn't have as much of the background. Is there's so many things going on when you talk breathing, you talk sensory input, you talk the output, and ankle mobility and different things. Uh, if, if we skip back to just having good sensation or having good control of your ankle in isolation, if someone's missing that, or they they're like, yeah, that's, that's totally me. When I, when I try and do something 
and I'm not really focused on, I have a hard time with it. Where do you, you know, what's the, what's the, so what, what's the practical application in, in that example, maybe of, if that's the primary cause, where does someone start with trying to improve something like that? Right. Okay. So that, that is what, what the person is experiencing. And we have to address that because that that's their experience. That's what they want to fix. But for the coaches out there listening, um, the way that we would start looking at all of that is through gate. The very first assessment that I do, especially if somebody comes to me with, Hey, I can't, I can't do the squat. You know, I'm having problems with the squat. I'm going to look at their gate because we're going to need some kind of assessment. And this is very important for the whole neural lens is we got to assess and reassess and assess and reassess because if we don't, we don't know if it's working. And you and I were talking about this before the show. It's like, not everything is so simple. Like it's like, oh, this is the answer, right? So while you may come to me with the same description of the problem for the squad, and I help you by doing a visual drill, okay? Which I know we haven't gotten there, but that's just an example. And then the next week, your buddy comes in and he has the same problem. You know, at least his perception of it is that it's the same, but it might be a different solution. It might be an entirely different thing. And I'm going to pick up on that through the, through the gate analysis in combination with the movement itself that's problematic. And then from there, we can start breaking it up into other things. Can your eyes track properly? Do they converge and diverge properly? Can they gaze stabilize? Can you gaze stabilize? Can you do an isometric of your eye for at least 30 seconds? That's a pretty good, healthy, you know, um, you did a, a, a series of, of uh, class like, you know, isometrics and, you know, all the other different ones. I love that one because to me, that's a fundamental part of like, you got to own all these different parts before you get into the more complex stuff. Right. And so your eyes actually have the same. You got to be able to just look at something calmly without raising that threat level without in your breath and squinting and like making your lips really tight or anything like that. Um, in order for me to say like, okay, so the inputs are good. The processing is good. So we can safely assume that the output is going to be good. If any of those is jammed up somewhere, that's, that's bad news. And so the practical application would be do the gate assessment, then perform a drill that is specifically related to fixing what their problem is, and then reassess. And then I said that was for the coaches. For the practitioner itself, you're going to want to do your own ass assessment, right? So if I go here... And then I do a drill and now my arm comes here from there to here, something happened. That function is just not quite so right anymore. Now that's also for us coaches, right? We can see the range of motion either improve, it's smoother, it's faster, it's less, you know, like um, there's less effort in the movement, but this is important when you're training solo at home, right? So we're going to give you some, you know, practical recommendations, the things that you can do at home. And it's really important that, you know, you assess like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this little drills that I said, you know? It's going to stare at this pen for 30 seconds. It seems pretty silly, but I'm going to do it. But guess what? If you test your range of motion and it got better, then that is a really good drill for you and you should keep doing it. And I'm going to say also that it's not always going to work the same. Next week, your body and your nervous system are going to be in a different place. Hydration, rest, stress, all these different things are going to affect it. So this drill may not be good for you next week. So that's why it's really important that we keep a, 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 a addressing the reassessment, right? So range of motion, um, the gait, which if you're practicing solo, unless you film yourself, you're not going to be able to do, you're going to need a partner for that. And then it's the activity itself. Did the squat get better? Did the, did the 
it, maybe the pain doesn't go away or the discomfort or the limitation, but did it get a little better? Yeah, it does. Okay, well, then we're on the right track and we keep layering in things, you know, with different systems and different receptors to just try to figure out. It's like a puzzle, you know? Again, it's, there's no like clear answer. You got you, you to work for it. You got to earn it. <laughs> It's a, it's a fun puzzle too. And that's something that we, you know, we're, we're constantly doing in, in our PT practice and it's, it's constantly evaluating, reevaluating, but we use, you know, I just want to really emphasize that the test retest methods, that's something we're using constantly of how does that feel? How does it look? How's your range of motion? How's whatever we're trying to test. And that could be something like a squat that could be, you know, something actually under load if someone's going more on the performance side of things, or that could be something like bending down to pick up something off the floor, like how that feel, we try some different things. And it's so important to do that regardless of what you're doing, regardless of what your goals are, because like you said, everyone's going to respond so differently to different things. And if you're just blindly following mobility programs, blindly following training programs, blindly following corrective exercises or things to be doing to supplement your training, warmups, even cool downs, like you have to know if these things are working. And the only way to do that is to pick something, pick a movement you're trying to improve do the intervention, the exercise, the stretch, whatever the exercise, and then you have to retest it. If you don't, then you're just, you're kind of shooting in the dark and who knows if you're actually making progress. And I see so many people do that and they've been following this mobility routine for two years. And they're like, I don't, I'm like, is it, is it helping? They're like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it feels kind of good after, but I'm still struggling with my squat. So it's like there, you might just be wasting a lot of time. It's not like you're going to harm anything, but I think that's just a really thing that I wanted to kind of double click on it and uh, stress the importance of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you did because it's it's a fundamental part of the way that we're taught as practitioners. It's like, you got to keep reassessing, man, because otherwise, like you said, it's just throwing stuff up on the wall and see if it sticks. And that's, that's just not the right way to go. <clears throat> you know, um, I, I know you and myself, we hold ourselves to a higher standard as professionals, you know, <clears throat> I hate for somebody to come into my place and, you know, and me just like, oh, well, let's try this, you know, like there's got to be a rhyme and a reason behind it. And with neurology, if you get the right education, um, you, you will have that tool. You will have the systematic, you know, it, it's not a clear answer. It's not, it's not a definite, like, this is the answer, but you have a system that you can go through. Okay. And, and that's, that's the key, you know? And so for, for our purposes today, um, I think understanding, you know, that the, the nervous system is composed of multiple other subsystems, you know, and for our purposes, proprioception, visual and vestibular, I want to invite everyone to think about those three as being like um, satellites. That's how we describe them and see how they're little satellites and they're going around and they're sending information back and they're triangulating where you are. And so the clearer that signal is, the more powerful those, those, those uh, satellites can be, the more useful that, G, that movement GPS of yours will be. Okay. So in the example of the squad, if my balance is a little off. Okay. And I have a, a little fussy area that is not quite so clear in my map. Every time I go into that range of motion, my threat level kicks in because the nervous system cannot predict what's about to happen. And I had mentioned before that it's very concerned with survival. The way that it helps itself survive is through pattern recognition. And this goes back again to my insistence on practice, on progression in the sense of like, start with the really simple stuff and know that really, really well. And you should be able to do this in your sleep because you're helping your system predict better, okay? The more I can predict 
What's going to happen when I do a wrist circle? Nothing, absolutely nothing. It feels great. Okay, then my nervous system is going to unleash that performance from there. And what happens when I do an elbow circle? Great, feel awesome. What happens when I do a camshaft with my shoulder? Awesome. Now I have a whole arm that I can use with clarity without worrying about threat. There's nothing weird there happening. So my nervous system, when I go to do that one arm pushup, it's like, go for it. You're not gonna break, we're good. So I know that's a bit trivial to put it in that perspective, but that's really what happens. The other part of it, and that's specifically, you know, dealing with, you know, your mechanoreceptors. And by the way, one of the first things that I learned that was very powerful is that the joints have probably, you know, the greatest amount of mechanoreceptor activity in the body. Anywhere in the just there's specific joints that have even more. And we call those the, the high payoff exercises. And those are things like your hips, your spine, your feet, and your hands. At a fundamental level, if you can address those things with some really good, specific joint mobility, and you can do perform those movements with control and, and just like, uh, you know, quality, quality of movement, then you can transfer all of that, the smaller movement into the greater movement. So maybe that squat will fix itself if I'm able to do some really nice thoracic glides while maintaining some length in my spine. So I'm not crushing my discs and I'm not like keeping my neck up or going into thread or holding my breath. Hey, do some thoracic glides. Breathe, you know, like again, that coordination of the breath and bringing these different things together. If I'm able to do those smaller movements, then now we can reasonably assume that we can do the larger ones. And that's the whole idea behind it. But these things are not, even though this is great scientific stuff, you know, neurology, yay. But we've been doing this for a long time. If you think about it, this is what practice is all about. This is what thoughtful practice about that guy on the heavy bag, not hitting it hard, but kind of like thinking about like, where do I put my shoulder when I hit it? Like how is my ankle in the back? You know, he's not thinking, oh, dorsiflexion, you know, external rotation, none of that. He's just, what, what does feels good when I do this, right? And, and so we can recreate that, you know, by looking at elite, elite athletes in a Z-health environment, you know, for, for like an assessment, somebody comes in with shoulder pain, unexplained. I don't know why my pain, my, my shoulder hurts every time I hit the bag. Well, let's look at how you're doing it. And then you can start break things down, just like we were saying, look at the receptors, Look at the joint mobility. Do they have fluency with that movement? You know, are they able to do it with a good level of, you know, awareness with that? They don't have to look, you know, are they doing it with a low threat, right? So they're not squinting. They're not holding their breath or like pressing their lips together. Another good one is when you have somebody come in and they're doing something they feel really uncomfortable with, they'll take a really hard swallow. They'll go like, you know, and you're like, okay, all right, let's, let's, let's slow down. Let's take a little walk, get some water, you know, just walk around a little bit their nervous system is, is, is freaking out. And so it's going to inhibit, it's going to put the brakes, just like you said, on that greater movement. So it's, it's our job to find those little puzzles, take out all the little brakes, and then performance is unleashed. Because to me, pain and performance are along the same spectrum, but they're on opposite sides. So the, the more I can push somebody towards performing better, now they're away from pain, great, because that's more training frequency. And also, you know, their body composition will get better because they feel better, you know? And, and so all of these other goals that we talked about, body composition, pain, performance, they can all be achieved by just going to the performance side with this very methodical, you know, systematic way of doing it, incorporating different systems. And the amazing part with a lot of that too, is that people don't, until you feel what this is such a, 
a feel thing. It's such a visual uh, test retest type of thing. It's such a, it's something you can feel and people know right away when you do something and when you create some good nervous system change and you see the difference, this isn't like, we're not talking that, you know, you go from 45 degrees to 46 degrees in a squat and people are like, oh, I don't really know. It's like, if you're, if you hit the right, if you hit the right thing, we're seeing, we're seeing big change. And that's, that's where this is. So, you know, become so, so important. And so impactful because it's not, we're not trying to create, you know, small changes. If you, if you can identify the spot and having a practitioner that can help you with that, like us, like someone else, you know, can, can lead huge return on benefits. But even if you're just like, Hey, I'm kind of just exploring this and want to see what it's like, then I think what you're saying us is just like more movement awareness, more like what's, what's my body doing? Can I move these different joints? Can I do these things? And I, I don't want to steal your thunder too much in the actual protocol, but like just having more awareness around that. You talk about the fighter hitting the bag and these things is the more you can, you know, the people that do really well are the ones that just become, start to become more aware of like, Hey, notice when I was walking, when I was turning, I like, I always do this and, you know, that, and this for you can be so many different things, but just having more, just pay attention to how you're, how you're moving. And the more awareness you have, I think can bring a lot of light, shed a lot of light to, uh, to this topic we're talking about. Absolutely. I mean, that really is the goal to create like people that are moving through the world with better awareness, right? Because that's another thing we kind of like hinted at. It's like, you know, we, we spend resources and time into some other areas of our life and we don't even blink at it, right? Education. Yeah. Let's just throw a hundred grand into that, you know, and just a bunch of other things, but for whatever reason, when it comes to our physical fitness, we don't want to make that investment. Right. But that's more looking at it from the side of like the money, which could be in, in the sense of like hiring a professional, you know, to get train you up and all that stuff, which if they're able to teach you how to fish and do this stuff on your own, then it's a good investment. Right. Um, so be wary of that, right? Like, don't go to that trainer that just, you know, kind of makes you do stuff, but never really teaches you this stuff. You know, like you want to learn this stuff. You want to be able to do it on your own because it is expensive, but um, it is valuable. Um, so if, if you, if you devote the time to become that person and I know it, everything kind of like has like, it's, it's undulating patterns, right? Like it becomes vogue to be very self-aware of the body and all stuff. And then people start mocking you for it. You know, like there's plenty of videos out there that about the functionality of stuff. Oh, hard. wait, wait, I'm gonna get up. Okay, I'm gonna go over here now. I'm gonna pick this up now. Okay, wait, I'm gonna pick it up now. Okay, and I'm gonna come back. You know, like I get it, it's funny and it is, you know, but being, being aware like that is beautiful to watch, you know? I mean, when I'm walking down the street and I'm looking at different people's gates, you know, I can't, I can't unsee it, you know? My eyes are trained to do it and I'm like, oh no. Oh, like, dude, that person looks really good, you know? Um, and, and there's a certain sense of confidence and, and just, they, they just look like they feel really good. When people are in pain and dysfunction, they don't look like they're having a great time just even walking around. So it's definitely an investment worth making both in the sense of money and the sense of time and in learning these things, you know, like you were mentioning, I, I think it's, it's a fantastic investment to make in yourself. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone would argue with wanting to feel good, wanting to look good, wanting to be able to do those things for a long, long time, wanting to be able to train harder. All those things are, are really great things to be after. And that's, you know, that's possible. Some of the things we're going to be talking about and for people that are, you know, hanging with us and, and taking in the, the importance of the nervous system, I think people can now see the importance of it. I, I want to give you, I want to give you a quote from this yeah, gentleman, uh, Daniel Wolpert. Uh, he's an MD, uh, PhD, and he's uh, pretty well known in the neuro circles. And, and this is what he had to say about movement and, and the neurocentric approach to it. Okay. He said, we have a brain for one reason and one reason only. That's to produce adaptable and complex movements. Movement is the only way we have of affecting the world around us. 
I believe that to understand movement is to understand the whole brain. And therefore, it's important to remember when you are studying memory, cognition, sensory processing, they're there for a reason. And that reason is action. Now, if like a top level guy in that field says that, then I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm not tripping here that, you know, movement is such an important part, you know, and, and the, the idea of brain health is such an important part because, you know, neurons are on the use it or lose it basis. If you, if you're not activating your brain properly through movement and just activity, you know, it needs, it needs fuel and it needs activation. So through movement, you can get a lot of that, right? And we haven't even gotten yet into the visual and the vestibular, but I'll give you like a little, you know, taste. Visual information accounts for almost approximately 70% of all sensory input. So if your eyes are not working properly, that is a huge problem. It has a profound effect on the way that you feel and the way that you move. Okay, so very important to cover those bases. And the same thing for the vestibular system. And there is a hierarchy, right? You have your eyes and then your ears and then your proprioception. And if you know, you, you got to look at it in that sense in order to, to accomplish the goals of like having that elite performance or even just for the everyday person being able to do the squat without dysfunction or pain. Yeah, no, well, well said and appreciate that, that quote and that explanation on it. What's the, uh, you know, what, what's the, so what behind this for people that are bought in like what Monday morning protocol, I, I don't know much about that, but something that, you know, is, is this a, a good transition into is, is that the practical side of things that absolutely, absolutely. Get I, into? Think, I think we should get into that before we get to this track. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we talked about what's important for us as practitioners, as coaches, we, we want to make sure that we can move well, see well and balance well. Okay. Um, the, the most basic visual drill that I can think of is comparable to one of the most basic drills that I can think of somebody coming into my school and saying, hey, I want to start training. All right, let me see your isometric squat. How long can you hold that position? So we're going to do an isometric of the eye. There's going to be nine positions for it, okay? And they're very simple. You have your center line right in front of you, above that and below that, okay? So that would be three positions. Now the other six positions are the same, but on right and left. So that would be center line, middle, right and left. And then you have the top and the both the bottom to the right and the left. So that would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Now, as we do this, it might be a good idea for our listeners to start seated, get into a nice neutral spine, Deep breath, like you just want to be relaxed, you know, just check yourself for tension throughout the drills. Most common things, you get real squinty, you might get teary eye, stop blinking, dry eyes, the lips going really like first look good, like you're doing some diaphragmatic breathing, kettlebell swings, and then just think happy thoughts, man, like this is fun. And as, as we go here, Asa, if you want to talk through maybe like a position for those that are just listening and don't have the video. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. And say 12 inches from in front so, of you. So about arm's length from your nose, directly in front of your nose, that would be like the center position. Okay. And then about six to eight inches to the right of that would be your right middle position. Okay. Now let's go back to the middle. That's arm's length in front of your nose. You're looking at a pencil or a pen, very tip of it. Now, six to eight inches to the left of that middle position would be your center, center left position, okay? 
And so you want to be able to hold each one of those for at least 30 seconds. It may not be so easy in the beginning to do that. Maybe all you can do is five seconds without signs of threat or freaking out in your head like, oh my God, like this feels horrible. Um, sitting in silence there, you know, and quietly. So that is your basic one. Then we have those same three positions, but above about four to five inches above that center position. So if I hold the pen in front of me, arm's length, I'm looking at the tip of the pen and I'm going to bring the pen up about five inches. Now, without moving my head, only my eyes, I want to move and look at that pen. And then to the right of that and to the left of that would be the other two positions. And we will follow the same protocol, starting from the middle, arm's length with the pen, about five inches below, only moving the eyes, and then the right and the left sides. And that's your nine position gaze stabilization drill. I can also uh, provide a little chart that we can attach in some of the materials out there so that people can have a little bit more guidance. And of course they can always reach out and, and get some more guidance on that. Yeah, that'd, that'd be great. And what, what are we looking for, for, you know, what's the, what would be a, a not passing test, a, fa a failing test, or what's, you know, what kind of things are you looking for uh, both objectively, both with what people are feeling and what might that tell you about, you know, maybe their training or their movement? Yep. So, Let's let's talk about the guy with the squat, right? So let's guy the, the guy comes in and we we determine that their their sensory information is good on their feet, you know, like we don't think anything's going on down there. So um, we're gonna test their eyes. We're gonna see if they can gaze stabilize. So they're gonna hold it there, and if they can perform that without any threat, sign of threat for thirty seconds, then we're good. Okay, and then we're gonna go through all the different positions. But before we do that we're going to assess. We're going to assess the squat. We're going to do some range of motion. It can be shoulder abduction. It can be flexion of the shoulder. It can be rotation of the torso. It can be um, uh, flexion, like touching your toes. Okay. Any of these outputs, motor outputs should be improved if that visual skill is there present and, and you know, you do it to the right degree right? Because we got that whole minimal effect of those. So if you're having problems with the five seconds, don't try to do the 30. It's very important. This is exactly what we talked about in the first episode. <laughs> no pain, no gain. This applies to the eyes too. And in fact, I'm going to give a warning. You will screw yourself up even further if you try to like, like hammer and muscle these visual drills and these vestibular drills. They're going to tax your system. It's a different kind of fatigue. You don't want to overdo it. Be prudent. Follow the iron core way. <laughs> Take a step back. <laughs> yeah. Be slow with it. Don't skip steps. And uh, once you guys really entertain this because the, you know, try it and see and, and make sure you have that test retest you do. If you just do this drill and don't do anything to follow it up or don't, you're not going to see, we don't know. We don't you're not going to see any value out of it because it, it might not be an issue for you. Or if it is an issue, you might not realize how big of an issue it is if you're not doing one of those things. So see how far you can rotate your body, lift your arms up overhead, try some of those things that, you know, can help give you a, give you a clue with it. So is yep. that, is that it for the, the visual side of things at the main? Well, I have one more, right? So, so if somebody walks in, I want to see if they can hold an isometric squat for 30 seconds and that'll give me a lot of information for my particular training style as to what they can and can't do. Okay. So the same thing for the visual uh, system. So we've already covered that. The next thing I want to see is how fluidly they can move, right? So I want to see them walk across the floor and come back. So in terms of the visual system, and this is not like a, like a straight comparison apples to apples, but just, you know, kind of like 
making some general analogies here. So now I'm going to imagine a cross in front of me and I'm going to hold the pen arm's length in front of me, right in the middle, about arm's length in front of my nose. And I'm going to lock my eyes onto the tip of that pen. And then I'm going to remember that cross and I'm going to start to trace that cross with my pen up and down. And I'm only going to go as far as I can tracking the tip of the pen with my eyes without moving my head. This is very important. Don't move the head, maintain proper posture and a good adequate level of breathing that you're not holding your breath that you're not squinting all that other good stuff. So in, in other words, no signs of threat, right? To the nervous system that you're feeling freaked out. Um, so going up and down is one. Then the cross has the T or let's just say the T, then you're going side to side with it. And this one is called a smooth pursuit. So now that you know the name, maybe it's easier to visualize if you're just listening. Arms like in front of you, right in front of your nose. And then we go from side to side, tracing a T, stop in the middle. Then we trace up and down, tracing the other part of the T. Okay. And that would be your smooth pursuit. And it's a great, I think it's a great start, you know, at, at the level of this podcast, right? We can get into, you know, some, some cooler things and just test some things out. But, you know, if you can gaze stabilize and you can smooth pursuit without signs of threat, it gives me a fair amount of confidence that your visual system is working properly. And even if it isn't, here's a couple strategies to work with this. Remember that the intensity and the range of motion matter, just like they would for any other exercise, Right. So if you're having pain going, you know, ass to the mat with your squat, then maybe just go to 90 degrees, you know, and let's try to get some pain-free reps there and slowly chip away at that range of motion. So if you're going in your team as you're doing your smooth pursuit and you're going out to the right and it feels smooth, but when you go to the left, it feels a little funky. Like you get a little tension in your neck. Maybe you, you do something funny with your lips then reduce the range of motion on that side. You can also reduce the speed at which you're moving the pen from side to side as you follow it smoothly with your eyes, okay? And just chip away at it until eventually you'll be able to do it really fast and not lose any of the elements of efficiency, which is, you know, your posture and your breathing being all there, okay? So again, basic level, gaze stabilized. Think about it as an isometric, okay? I just hold an isometric with the eye. And then can you follow the pen? There's also, also another pattern, which is more like making like an X with it. For the basic level of this podcast, maybe just doing the cross or the T is a good start for you. And if you want more information, of course, well, you know, call us up. We'll help you out. Definitely. How often should someone be doing and That's it for the visual. <laughs> how often should someone be testing this? And how often should someone be working on this if they find there's a problem? You know, at this level where we don't, we don't really know what's going on with them, right? It's not like a rehabilitative type of situation where I'm going to prescribe. I want you to do this drill three times a day, you know, this many seconds or whatever. Probably, you know, three times a week, you know, maybe with their training sessions, maybe even with their active recovery sessions so that they can get a good sense of like, how is this going to affect my nervous system? Because what if it completely like throws you off, you know, for a loop, you know, then we know that you need to work on that, but we don't want to mess up your already awesome routine, you know? don't do that. <laughs> okay. We don't want to mess up your squats and your PRs or anything like that. So, so just do it at a day. If you're, if you're a fairly knowledgeable mover, you know, and you feel pretty good with movement, you know, somebody teaches you something, you, you, ah, oh, man, that guy's a natural, then you're probably not going to have any issues with it. You know, if you're someone who's always struggled with movement and it takes you time and effort to do these things, then do it at a time where you can just kind of like do a, a quick warm up, do the drills, and then maybe go for a walk and see how you feel, you know, test your range of motion every once in a while. 
And if you're good to go, you can continue to use them, you know, freely. And, you know, you can add complexity to it. You know, one of the cool things about this is like, you know, I said, you want to be in a neutral stance, right? So you want to be seated, tall spine, looking straight ahead, shoulders back, all that. But we can apply these things. For example, if you're a shortstop, maybe I want to put you in that sports ready position and perform the drill in that position. Maybe we can add depth as well to it. So now you're going in and out as well. We call that a pencil pushup. So now you're converging and diverging as well. And those are all different visual skills. If you're a fencer, I can put you sideways and do the drill the way that you fence. Or if you're a fighter, all of those things. So it has infinite applications, um, but this is just the, the basic vanilla. Hey, let's just start here. Make sure we don't scramble you, your brain. <laughs> you know? That's cool. So that's that's covering the visual side of it. What do we What do we have next in the protocol? Yes. So then for the balance drills, a couple of simple drills. Um, we are going to provide um, a link or I don't know how you're going to attach it there, the, the H chart. Um, and to be real, like you can use anything for this. You can just walk up to the wall. If you have a, a chalkboard at home or a, a whiteboard, just make an X on it and that will be your target. Okay. But the H chart sounds cool. We wanted to, to give you a little incentive for coming here and spending some time with us. Um, you're going to start about eight feet away. And that's just kind of like an arbitrary number because most rooms are that size, you know? So I'm figuring like in my, in my gym and stuff, the areas that I have for training, that's the space that I have, you know? So about eight feet away, you have your target in front of you at the level of your eyes and you're gonna, in a neutral stance. So, you know, your feet are parallel at hip width. You're gonna look at the A and you're gonna proceed to move your head up and down, like saying yes but you're gonna keep your eyes locked on the A. So right now I'm looking at Dave and I'm moving my head up and down saying yes. Yes, this is an awesome podcast, right? And then I'm gonna be like, do you wanna be on it next week? No, not next week, Dave. Let's give it a couple of weeks, right? So you're gonna move your head looking at that target up and down, eyes locked on the A or the X, whatever the target is saying yes. And then you're gonna say no. Now, most of you, I assume are going to find this incredibly easy and you're gonna be, dude, what the fruit. So here's the progression, Fred. You're gonna bring your feet together. So now you have narrowed your base. Should be a bit more challenging for your vestibular system, your inner ear, your balanced GPS to coordinate that head movement while gaze stabilizing on the A, okay? Or the X, whatever the target is. Now let's say that 50% of the people out there are gonna be like, well, that was easy too. So what's next? you're going to go into a staggered stance. So you're gonna bring one foot forward, so heel to toe, okay? And you're gonna now be in a line, basically. And you're gonna be looking at your target and you're gonna to proceed to say yes again. The strategy being, once it starts to get challenging, reduce the range of motion of your movement or slow down the speed. Of course, for a, like my wife is a dancer, she can whip her head like the exorcist up and down, pop, 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 in every direction while doing this drill on one leg and she's solid, like nothing happens, you know? So it depends on your level of skill already and some of the things that you've done in your past that your vestibular system may or may not be very robust, okay? And have endurance, because that's another element. Just like your muscles, you may be able to do it for 30 seconds. And you pass that, you start to kind of decrease the quality of your movement and you start to fall out of it. So working on both being able to perform the skill and the endurance goes a long ways into helping you with this, okay? So I don't know if I did a good job of describing that particular one, but, uh, oh, by the way, so it was feet parallel, then feet together, then stagger stands, then one leg, and the same drill. You're locking your eyes on the target, saying yes, saying no. 
And again, there's other patterns that you can follow, but for the simplicity of the podcast, let's just stick with those two. Yeah, no, I think I think it's explained well. And I think for people listening, yeah, again, I really encourage you guys to try it. It's easy to assume this and listen and be like, oh, well, that sounds simple. So I'll just assume <laughs> I'll just assume I'm good at it. But even even with one leg in front versus the other leg in front or on one side versus the other, you might notice some things. And it's it's not just a, a check the box yes or no of yes, I can do it. It's paying attention to what happens to my breathing, what happens to my shoulder tension, what happens to all these, you know, my face, these different things, because your nervous system if that's showing us that your nervous system doesn't feel protected if you're tensing up in other areas. And if your nervous system doesn't feel protected, you're limiting your ability to perform at the highest level that you can. Absolutely. I think we started with that, right? So it's important to, for people to acknowledge that because it's a, it's a fundamental aspect of the nervous system. Remember that it wants you to survive. So it feels like it, this is something dangerous. It's going to raise the threat level. It's going to do exactly what you said. It's just going to put the brakes on. We've been hitting, you know, this has been a really good one. I think we've been very good about hitting on the concepts that we wanted to drive home. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say so. A good, we'll give ourselves a good score on this one compared to our other tangents. <laughs> okay, so one more for the vestibular system. So now you know how to keep your eyes locked on a target and move your head. So now we're going to ask you to keep your eyes locked on a target and move both your head and your eyes. So we're going to go back to that trusty pin that you had earlier for your gaze stabilization or your smooth pursuits. And you're going to hold it out at arm's length in front of your nose, arm's length. So you're looking at the tip of the pen and you're going to proceed to move your arm out to the right as you move your head and your eyes together. So the idea is that when you do this, you don't make it a comment. What I mean by that is that your eyes go first and then your head trails behind. You want to move the eyes and the head together as you move your arm from the from in front of you at arm's length in the middle right in front of your nose out to the right very good Dave is doing a great job of doing it and then you would do the same thing to the left I recommend that you switch arms when you do this because when you cross your body like let's say you're trying to go left but you're using your right arm it's going to cause a little bit of rotation it's going to make it more complex and we don't want to get into that whole can of worms of how that neurologically is very weird, but just switch hands. When you're going to the left, arms length in front of you, look at the pen, move your eyes and head together all the way out and then come back in. And we can follow the same pattern of the T, right and left, up and down. The strategy being, this gets weird, you reduce the range of motion, you reduce the speed, the progression would be feet apart, feet together, feet staggered, finally one leg. Makes sense. Makes sense. I love it. No, that's a, uh, that's good. And those again, more, more challenging than you think, even, you know, I'm doing a sitting down right now. I'm like, Oh, it's not too bad. But as you add standing into it, as you add different postures, it, it totally changes things. I've, I've done these before. I should say, I should say that you may have, if you're a coach, you may have clients that need to be seated, seated. You may have clients that be need lying down to do this if they have a very compromised nervous system. So it's all about looking for that threat. Okay. If they're standing on the widest base, they're like going like, you know, that little two inch sumo that some people do the super mm -hmm. wide, <laughs> they could be that wide and they're doing it. And they're like showing signs of threat. You need to sit them down because that's not going to help them. It's, it's past their skill and it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to make them worse. And don't forget to assess and reassess. Try that range of motion, AB duck, flexion of the shoulder, torso, torso rotation, toe, touch your toes, do the squat, make sure that does it feel good? If it doesn't, it may not be the drill for you. And that's okay. We got other drills. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the test retest is huge. And I know we kind of mentioned earlier, but how quick should someone notice improvements and what, you know, to what degree can those those move uh, improvements be? So, you know, change happens at the, at the speed of the nervous system, we like to say in Z Health. And that's very true. Um, that's why it's not uncommon to go to a course, somebody that's brand new, and they're like, I've had shoulder pain for 10 years. Okay, what, what shoulder is it? It's the right shoulder. Show me a range of motion. Like, okay, all right, let's do it left ankle tilt. We go over there. Why the left ankle? It's the right shoulder. That doesn't make any sense. Do the drill, come back in. Poof. It's like, whoa, like how that happened. Now, here's the caveat to that. If you haven't gotten into that range of motion in 10 years, and now you can because you've unlocked your nervous system, you reduce the threat through a variety of neurological processes that happen there. Again, that's a different podcast. And I'm going to be recommending some good names for you to, for them to get into the real deep stuff, having to do the different parts of the brain and how pain really affects all this movement. But, you know, if you haven't got into that range of motion in 10 years and today now you have it and you're really happy, you got to be very cautious about that. Going back, no pain, no gain, like be prudent, you know, take your time building these things because now your tissue has to realign all those lines of stress, Wolf's law and Davies law, more Davies in this case, right? Cause that's the soft tissue part of it. But, you know, it's going to take thousands of repetitions for you to become a fluid move, mover in that place. The, the answer is yes, it happens fast, but now your tissues have to catch up and that doesn't happen fast. Never system fast, the tissues not so fast. So we got to understand that as both practitioners, uh, you know, for ourselves and as coaches, because we can really screw somebody up if we're just, oh, great. Now you can do that. Here's a kettlebell. Go for it. You know, <laughs> doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah. Great point. Cause you, if you're on the right track, you will see these improvements quickly and making sure you're just being smart then when it comes to adding the training onto it, the capacity, the load, the, those types of things too. be just, just be smart about, about that as well. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's great. Asa. I, uh, I think we got a good, a good list of some takeaways for, for people. I, I want to talk awesome. some of my, I want to talk some of my, uh, kind of big picture takeaways. And then if you can, maybe I'll give you a chance to maybe summarize those tests. If you can kind of go like visual test one quick explanation yeah. to give people just to have it all in one spot. Cause some of the, but some of the big things that kept coming back from nervous system in general is the importance of test and retest. I think that's, I think we harped on that enough is you have to test and retest to know if you're making improvement in whatever it is you're doing and whether we're talking tracking a pen or whether we're talking a mobility drill for your squat, make sure you're testing and retesting. Uh, first role of the nervous system is survival, survival first. And that comes down to some pattern recognition and making sure that your body and your nervous system feel protected. And then I, I like this too, the, some place to prioritize hips, spine, feet, and hands. I think I had, had that written down, right. But those being some high return type places that you can, uh, that you can focus on. And then ask anything you want to add. And if not, maybe just given a quick bullet point list of the, the tests. And I think we can also include certain things in the, in the show notes you said you were going to send over to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be sharing some links to, um, a, a, uh, joint mobility sequence, full body. Um, if you don't have the time, then focus on the ones that they've summarized because those are the most important, um, spine, feet, uh, hands and hips. Um, so for the visual drills, what you want to do is do an isometric with your arm, with your eyes. It's just that simple. Okay. Even if, if you can't quite discern what I was trying to describe to you very thoughtfully, um, just look at something and hold, like stare at it and hold your gaze there and scan for signs of like tension in your body. And if you can do it calmly, then, you know, you have good gaze stabilization and it's good. You want to keep down that path and improve it. Um, and then you have your smooth pursuit, which would be like, you know, like 
can now you can you move your eyes smoothly as, as you track a target from side to side up and down that's also very important um and then for the uh, vestibular drills um basic basic fundamental thing is your your feet need to be from parallel and apart to then together to then staggered one in front of the other and finally on one foot that's the progression make sure that you test each one and that you can do it safely and that you don't have any signs of threat 30 seconds it's a good goal to have for each one. Then from there, you go into the one where now you're going to move both your eyes and your head together with the same pattern on your feet. Think about it as a template, feet apart, feet together, feet stagger, one foot. That's the way that you progress the different challenging aspects of it. Um, at least at, at this level, of course, you know you can get into a myriad different variations with sports specific stuff, but we're not doing that today. Uh, I'm being very disciplined. <laughs> And, and yeah, um, I think that's it. Was that, did I answer all your questions there? I think you did. Yeah. And I know you're leaving a lot of room open for, for other podcasts. You can come out of your whole, your whole wealth of knowledge. I have some so. great guests for you lined up, man. I got to tell you that you're going to love I'm them. They're, they're good dudes. Yeah, no, I'm excited. So make sure to give this, give this a try guys. Uh, if you guys need, if you guys are really lost and not following the explanation for those that only listen on podcasts, all these do go up on YouTube. If you want to see, uh, Asa's beautiful, beautiful, uh, example going going through it you can you can check it out on youtube as well we do have those videos up there if you guys need a little more visual we had a really good example too okay so make sure you look at him too (laughs) (laughs) we got we'll have the side by side up so um yeah that's that's awesome i i i've already had you on so i i can't ask the same hypothetical question that we ask all the guests if you guys want to hear his original answer you have to go back to episode 33 or whatever it is we'll make sure we link it up in the show notes but uh let's wrap up with two things uh where where can people find you and reach out if they want more info and then what are you what are you grateful for right now man what's uh what's going well in life and you know what can you what are you thankful for just love to love to hear that to wrap it up and uh, this is coming straight out of my heart right now. I swear, like I'm not making this up. But, yeah, I'm really grateful for my wife, man, right now because uh, I recently opened my business, and um, it, it wouldn't have been able. I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. That's a fact. She's a business partner. She's you know a, a, a best friend to me. Um, we just have the best time, and we're going into the stage of our lives right now where it. So many things are kind of like being realized, you know, so many dreams and, and, and big picture things, you know, are kind of coming together and just knowing that throughout it all, like she's just been a hundred percent, like the whole ride or die thing. That's my wife. <laughs> like she's just been solid, man. And, um, I wasn't, I didn't know. I, I was thinking Dave's going to ask me something. <laughs> so I, you know, I was like, what's he going to ask me? But that, that's it, man. I'm so grateful for Erica and, and, you know, just it's, she, she's awesome, man. And, uh, I'm really lucky to be with her. I appreciate you sharing. No, I did not prep you for that. So that's a, the true honest right off the, right off the cuff answer. So I appreciate that. Where can people reach out? And this is some complex stuff. And if you guys want to go deeper with it, I'm sure us would be more than happy to, uh, dive in. If you need some clarification, on any of those things, make sure to ask him and not me, cause he's the expert in this area. <laughs> so what's, uh, where can people reach out to you? So the iron core way, uh, that's our website. Um, YouTube channel is the Iron Core Way channel. Um, and then on Instagram, uh, Iron Core Way. And we also have a Instagram for our site specific uh, for Oceanside. That's the Iron Core, Iron Core Way Oceanside. Um, pretty much if you just look for the Iron Core Way, you're going to find something about what we do and who I am and all that. Okay. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's, as always, always a pleasure, brother. 
No, great having you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you were the, the first, second, second guest, first repeat guest and had a great time again. I'm sure it won't be the, the last time that, that people hear from you. So thanks for coming on, on us and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Men Made For More podcast. I hope you found today's show valuable and that you have some actionable strategies you can apply to your life today. If this is your first time listening, thanks for being here. The aim of this podcast is to provide a ton of the best possible content to help you grow in your journey to becoming the best version of yourself. If you enjoyed the podcast and found it helpful, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. These subscriptions and reviews help other like-minded men discover the podcast and take the next step in strengthening their body, their mind, and their purpose. If you're a regular listener, I can't thank you enough for investing in yourself in this show. Please make sure to share this with a friend or post on social media and tag me with your favorite part from today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to join the Men Made for More Facebook group to be a part of a community of like-minded men that are elevating their game and living for more by searching Men Made for More on Facebook. Keep challenging yourself, growing, and know that it's okay to get out of your comfort zone and know that you're made for more. Thanks for listening and see you guys soon.